What's up, Love Tribe? How's it going? Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're listening to it and eating lunch, dinner, or breakfast, you won't become hungry. But if you're not, (laughs) you might uh, develop an appetite because today's episode is all about food and your relationship, your personal relationship with food and how it can affect your relationship with your partner and food. As our guest, Dr. Dara, describes the triad. So you got yourself, your partner, and food completing the triad. And it's a complex and interesting thing that we dive into is how childhood affects our relationship with food and how it can express itself in our relationships. So she gives us some great tools to make that recognition and then develop positive habits and get away from the negative habits that can happen around these things in your relationship. And Dr. Dara Bushman is a clinical psychologist, rapid resolution therapist, and board certified clinical hypnotherapist. And she was a lead therapist at Milestones in Recovery, a comprehensive eating disorder treatment center for 10 years. So she knows a lot about dealing with these things. And we don't actually get into the specifics of eating disorders, but we do talk about everyone has to eat. And so we all have a certain relationship with food. And it's something that you may not have thought of before, but hopefully today's episode will get you thinking about it because it is having a big impact on your day-to-day life and certainly within your relationship. And we would love to hear from you guys feedback on this episode. If food is an issue in your relationship or just you have any additional questions about it, head on over to our Love Tribe community on Facebook. You can find it by searching Love Tribe Fam. And there's a community of about 2,000 of us. So we're all here to support each other. So we would love for you to join the group. And if you haven't visited our website lately, we encourage you to do so. We have a lot of free resources on our website, including our 14-day happy couple challenge, which we send you a email each day for 14 days with easy doable challenges to help improve your relationship. So we love for you guys to check that out and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Dara. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Oh, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Dara, we like to start the show with having you tell us and our listeners why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, everybody's in a relationship. It's impossible to not be in one. And I think it's advantageous to make them be the best that you possibly can. 
We love that. And that's what we're trying to do here for ourselves. And that's why we love having people like yourself on to share with our listeners this valuable information. And today's topic is one that everyone is going to relate to because everyone has to eat. And (laughs) there are obviously more serious eating disorders that we can get into. But just on the surface level, we all have a certain relationship to food. And then on an individual level, there's some psychological dynamics going on. And then you add the relationship and things can get a little bit complicated or or it's affecting your partner. So what are you seeing or what are some important things to consider when we talk about our personal relationships with food and then within a couple? Okay, awesome. Well, you know, sometimes I think of food that it's almost like a triad with relationships because we all already have a set relationship before you even meet somebody. Your relationship with food has started when you were a child based on whether you got positive or negative reward with it, and um, which is imperative if you ate a cookie when you were five years old. And from that cookie, you learn that if you keep eating them, they're going to keep giving you them and you're going to get more attention. Right then, you've developed this idea around food being a place of positive reward. Or if you notice that when you ate food, nobody paid attention to you, but the food made you feel like if you had a cookie, it made you feel warm and fuzzy, you're starting to identify and connect with the idea that there is uh, a a yummy, warm feeling, like a big, warm hug (laughs) around eating that cookie. So right then and there, it differentiates different ideas in the way that our brain wires in its perception around the food and the relationship. And then you continue through your life and look at our society. A lot of relationships are developed and cultivated and connection is made around food at tables, at dinners, and whatnot. So each person brings those individual relationships into the relationship of of you and your partner. And so the reason that I say it's a triad, because when there's problematic or challenging relationship with the food, it can sometimes feel like there's three people in the relationship. If it's significant where it's I call it disordered eating or eating disorder. It's for sure when it's an eating disorder, a component of there being three people because everything stops and starts around food. Um, I notice a lot of times with relationships, you go on a first date and that's kind of the premise that's set around. So when we go to eat, do we do it together? What kind of eating do we do? What kind of foods do we eat? Are we drinking while we're eating? And these little nuances are set and ingrained in the patterns of the relationship from the onset. There is just so much going on. And certainly with a three-year-old, we're thinking about how we reward her with uh, cookies and and later in life, how that's going to affect her relationship with food. And And I do want to talk about that maybe. But within the couple, how can this negatively express itself? Well, negatively express itself in the sense that the person is getting more comfort, especially with certain processed foods. People are getting more comfort from the food than, say, the partner, where they're not expressing that they have concerns. They're using food or emotionally eating it. You know, food has a physical component, too, that the types of foods that you eat also set you into wanting more. Um, sugary, flowery foods chemically set you up for having cravings of wanting it. But in the relationship, it alters people's moods. 
And not only their, the people's moods, it's a physical and emotional thing. It alters their moods emotionally, but it also makes you feel a certain way physically. And I don't know about you guys, but based on what I eat, you know, you are what you eat. And if I'm eating foods that feel wholesome and light and plentiful and healthful, then I'm in a good mood and I feel okay about my, my attitude is affected by it and how I feel about my body. And often I see relationships with couples are being impaired because each is preoccupied with their, their body or how the food is making them feel. And that's where I also reference there being a triad where there's a third entity in the relationship. Let's say one of our listeners relates to having that connection with food of making them have that warm, fuzzy feeling. And let's say they've, they've had that since childhood. How would somebody go about changing those feelings and that relationship with food? Yeah, I think first of all, is identifying it. Because if you're not even identifying it, then nothing's going to change and nothing changes if nothing changes. So first and foremost is seeing that pattern in yourself and um, making that choice that you want it to be different. Uh, I practice rapid resolution therapy with my, my clients and they have effective results where there's that change or that rewiring of the food from an earlier part where we go in there where there's been that negative association and shift that to a positive association or a sense of indifference. So there's not that emotional connection with food. And when I see people in, in my work, um, it's, I don't see people long term. I see people short term. And within a session, a couple sessions, they're seeing that shift and they're back in their relationship, living plentiful, happy lives based on those changes. It seems like one of the first steps, like a lot of things we talk about, is just the recognition that our relationship with food is a negative one, if it is, or just being mindful. So to our listeners out there, asking yourself, like, how, how does food make me feel? And, and how, how am I relating to it? And how am I using it to fill a void? Or you're eating at night and just stuffing your face with junk food because you're feeling emotionally neglected from your partner. And rather than addressing that, you're going to the food for the comfort. So it seems like that really just being mindful and asking yourself the question is a great place to start. Yeah, I like to leave people with the idea, would it be good to have eaten? Um, that way it creates um, not just what's going on now, but how how is this going to be for me after? Because a lot of the challenges behind food are shame-based or feeling guilty. And I don't know about you guys, but if I feel guilty about eating a piece of my pie, my first response is to go eat another piece of quinoa pie. <laughs> Guilt is not useful in any capacity. And that seems to be the the continuance of the patterns with food. And like you mentioned, again, identifying it and recognizing it. And what do you want it to look like? And that's a great opportunity when you are in a relationship is doing it as a team. What do we want it to look like? You mentioned you have a three-year-old. I have a three and a five-year-old as well. And that's the decision that we make. What is, what is our clear intention around what food is going to look like in our family? And a lot of families are identifying it I mentioned the word reward before, but seeing it as a place of to pacify or as reward. And often I see the challenges with couples is that one has a different intention or idea around food than the other one does. And then perhaps one of them sees it as a challenge and the other one is not on the same 
wavelength with them about it. And that's when it becomes problematic. And what I mean by that is if you start off and the thing that you guys do is around the food. I had a young lady in my office this week and she had a significant concern because she noticed that she's had some preoccupation around food. And also she notices that the chemical affects her when she drinks wine and how that exacerbates her um, desires to have sweet food. And she's dumbfounded. She's so concerned because she's in a relationship with somebody and one of the things they do when they get excited about is planning out a nice dinner together and drinking a glass of wine together. And her biggest fear that she couldn't wrap her mind is how is this going to affect the relationship? In this instance, he seems supportive and he was on board. But in other instances, partners aren't on board because it affects them. And so if they're not, you know, advocating and doing the same things for themselves, it leaves them a little uneven. There is so much going on in in any relationship. And then you add our relationship with food and then bring that in and things can get super complicated. And obviously we can't cover every circumstance, but I'm just thinking you mentioned like the team and how if you're trying, if you recognize that you're going to junk food for for comfort, then getting your partner on board, making that recognition, but then as a partner trying to be supportive and not going out and buying a bunch of junk food and exactly. having it in the house, but doing that as a team and be like, hey, I, I know you're trying to break this habit or I'm sure like a lot of couples will do a diet together. And if, because it's just, <laughs> you're making meals, it's a heck of a lot easier if you're both eating the same thing. And if you're both on board to succeed and adhering to the new diet in the same sense of like you hear, I don't know what the, the cliche is, but like the happy couple that puts on like 15 pounds because they're just so happy yeah. in their newly together yeah. or whatever. And they're just, you know, enjoying it. Like that's an example of there's nothing wrong with being happy, but that it's just you get into these things together and it's you're affecting your partner and it could be in a positive way or in a negative way. Completely. I, I agree. And the strongest word that sticks out for me is communication, where people aren't talking about it and they're just assuming that their partner knows or they're concerned of saying how they feel of how it'll affect the other partner. And often it's that people aren't setting those even sometimes boundaries or limits and letting somebody know what's okay for them and not okay for them. And that's when people end up with 15 pounds of happiness when neither one of them are really happy. And then there's a disconnect because they thought it was so blissful to get there, but they're really not. And then it starts affecting their relationship intimately because somebody doesn't feel wonderful about their body. I'm not saying this is in every case, you know, there's, this is just a generalization, but the communication is really important and setting that intention from the beginning. I mean, things change and both of you having a healthy lifestyle is going to be a lot more optimal than one person trying to do it while the other one is eating foods that are just like, one person's going to get really angry and resentful. One thing that to me is also an element here at play and at least in Sarah and I's relationship is control. And I'm sure that just on an individual basis that the relationship with food and control is, is a big one, but that sometimes I'll tell Sarah, like, I don't want her to buy a particular sweet or something because I know if it's in the house I I I'm just going to 
destroy it and it'll be gone <laughs> right away. So the easy thing for me is just to not have it in the house. But then I got to respect Sarah, who has control, and she wants to have yeah. it in the house. So should she be the one suffering, so to say, to please me or to fit my dietary needs? So how do we how do we negotiate around that? What kind of things are you seeing with couples in situations like that? Well, again, the idea around communication and letting the other person know and not just saying, okay, when you don't really mean it, and then it comes out sideways. But not only that, but you can't put all your eggs in one basket. And what I mean by that is you can't rely on your partner to be the only person that's going to be your support or, or, or in friendship. And so if there's one that doesn't want to do it and the other one does, maybe it shouldn't be up to the partner to not be able to buy any Twinkies in the house. Maybe it's for the partner to have their Twinkies and then just agree that they're not going to keep them on the counter. But maybe the one that you know, doesn't want to have the Twinkies has somebody else that they check in with for accountability. Because also what I see sometimes is, you remember the movie with Jerry Maguire when he's like, you complete me. There's this idea of thinking that your partner is supposed to fill every bit of your love cup. I call it your love cup, you know, where it's full, your physical, your emotional, your spiritual needs. And it's not your partner's job to do it all. So it's a fun, fair expectation to put that all on them or for them to accept it. And yes, it's important when you're cohabitating and living with somebody around food, but what would you do if you were in college or what would you do if you had a roommate and your roommate says that they're not going to buy certain things? You would still have to make a plan and figure it out for yourself because maybe at first the partner says, okay, well, I won't eat any Twinkies, but then they're off sneaking Twinkies in. Like, that's ridiculous. And that's not, that's not a plan for with longevity. It's not going to stay. And to me, that's also the difference between somebody who's dieting and somebody who's, you know, adopting or having, looking at things from a state of point of wellness and well-being. Right. And I think that's exactly where we kind of are, is that we try to just live a healthy lifestyle, not so much from a dieting perspective, but just eating whole foods and being healthy. So I can completely right. understand when Chase doesn't want me to bring something sweet home. But I also have a huge sweet tooth. And sometimes when I am craving a cookie, I indulge and I eat a cookie. And even then, sometimes I do try to to hide things when I bring them home and he will still find them wherever I hide them (laughs) and then they'll be gone really fast. So it's something that we struggle with, but I try to be respectful of him and I know he tries to be respectful of me. And, and I think we've kind of found a, a little common ground, a good balance. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, but you're collaborating and you're working on it. And, um, so Chase, it wouldn't be just on you to rely on her. Then you've got to have another plan of doing it like around your own food and stuff. Cause I know that people are more likely to seek foods out if they're not, you know, satiated and getting what they need in other areas. But I totally get what it's like to have a good sniffer and be able to find the food no matter where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> but I do imagine that it would be really hard for somebody who has maybe a different goal of, of losing weight, for example, where one partner is trying to eat a certain way to lose weight and the other partner isn't being supportive. I can definitely see how that could put a strain on a relationship. Without a doubt. It's the integrity of the relationship as well. Because I can guarantee you that if they're having a part a partnership is having difficulty communicating and compromising in this area, they're gonna have difficulty 
communicating and compromising in other areas. It's um, usually a pretty strong pattern that if they're going through these kind of situations with food, they're having similar situations with money or um, with job, balancing their home work life or difficulty parenting. Because it's it's about the base of the communication pattern. It's not, it's not what you're doing, it's how you're doing it. And if it's showing up here, it tends to show up in other ways. And that's usually when it starts to magnify. I think that it shows up more in the sense of the food because the food is so objective and tangible. Everybody can relate and connect. And it just seems easier to just fix the food. So oftentimes when I'm working with a couple, I'll look at it from a different perspective. If we left the food alone and we were to make some movement in other areas, what would that look like? Because as that set as the foundation and the groundwork, it starts to, again, integrity, it moves over into other areas. And I think that that's an important part that I've, I've worked with people, whether they're eating disordered or disordered eating, it's not just the food. And it's not even usually about the food. It's about something else. It's the way that brain has been, mind has been thinking about something and how it has it pre-programmed in its head of these ideas, just like when you hear a song. I mean, look at what the the marketing industry does to us. We can recognize foods without even seeing it based on a song, or we get attached to it or create emotion or want it based on a picture. And just as those things are created, they can be uncreated. And that's a big component of some of this also. And a lot of times when it comes to food, people say, well, don't do this. Because if I say to you guys right now, okay, I want you to think of a cookie. Can you both think of a cookie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then if I tell you to not think about a cookie, you're not just going to all of a sudden not think about a cookie. And our mind doesn't understand negation. Our mind only hears the command of what we're giving it. And in couples, just like with food, the more you're telling somebody not to do something, the more they're going to do it. I mean, I'm spunky. And if somebody tells me no, I'm going to do it just to spite them. Well, that's really just how our minds work. So it's often those limits that get in the way. And, you know, here's the key in all areas of your relationship. But if you're doing that with food and it's like, I can't have it, you feel more compelled to want to have it too. It's like the forbidden fruit. And I see that happen a lot of times with couples. And if it was just starting with the food, it turns into something so much bigger, so much bigger. This is such a powerful concept of having this recognition and understanding our own personal relationship with food and how it's often not literally just the relationship with food, that there's other things wrapped in there. And I'm sure you see all sorts of things. And what was really interesting for me and an example of this is I started doing uh, intermittent fasting where I was basically just skipping breakfast. And I had had such a habit of eating breakfast and I would have a big bowl of cereal and dietarily, uh, a lot of times all that whole grain, all the carbohydrates, I think I was getting a dip in my energy levels actually from that. And there's a lot of science or the benefits of fasting and intermittent fasting. But psychologically in my head, Mm -hmm. I had this ingrained habit of it's morning. I need to eat a Uh bowl of cereal. It's breakfast. And it took me a, a while to sort of get out of that habit. It had nothing to do with literally putting the food in my mouth so much as it had to do with the habit I had created that 
it's morning and 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 just think about that is kind of a powerful thing like it's lunchtime i'm gonna eat why are you hungry <laughs> and you know like should eat when you're hungry right. and i'm not trying to make this about diets and and that but more so to highlight the fact that think about uh, anything in your relationship and to really mindfully take the take the time to go why am i doing this uh, is it is right. there a reason behind it is there a reason i'm eating breakfast am i hungry or is am i just eating cuz it's morning time and it's a, it, and it's empowering because now i'm not i and i hate like being tied to meal times like oh it it's uh it's time for lunch i got to <laughs> stop doing the fun thing i'm doing it's like that's a crazy thing when you think about it and but a lot of us are tied to even that concept But first, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Lively. Lively offers bras and undies that provide the perfect combination of high style and ultimate comfort. Lively was built for women by women with a mission to change our point of view of lingerie. Our lingerie should look and feel fabulous. And their soft fabrics, lounge-worthy fits, and clever details makes their bras the most comfortable you'll ever wear. Lively offers a range of bra styles for all different types of bodies that range from 32A to 44DDD. And they have bralettes, t-shirt bras, push-up bras, plunge bras, and no-wire bras. And at Lively, it's always one price for all, any style, color, or size. They believe in charging one price for all women. I just got my lace straight up bralette and it is so comfortable. I had been wearing other bralettes but they really lacked the support and now I feel fully supported in a comfortable and sexy bra. I used their fit guide on their website to easily size my bra and it turned out perfect. But if I had gotten it wrong, their free and easy returns would have allowed me to return it and get the right size. So for a limited time, get $10 off your first order by visiting wearelively.com slash I do and enter the promo code I do at checkout. That's W-E-A-R-L-I-V-E-L-Y dot com slash IDO to get $10 off your first order. Only available in the U.S. Today's episode is brought to you by Indochino. All right, guys, I'm pretty excited about today's sponsor, Indochino, because they are a made-to-measure menswear company. And if you haven't seen pictures of me, I'm 6'3", I got long arms, skinny legs, skinny waist. Freak of nature. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't describe it as that. I'm kidding. (laughs) But they make made-to-measure suits, shirts, to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. And if you are engaged, planning a wedding, or if you just want some excellent fitting clothes, they have tons of options for outfitting you for leisure, for work, or for all your groomsmen and your upcoming wedding. So if you're planning a beach wedding, they have a variety of casual shirts as well as tuxedos and dress shirts for more formal weddings. And 
Sarah and I's wedding was the first time I had a suit that was tailor-made to my measurements, and it certainly makes a difference, uh, especially if you have, what did you call me, a freak of nature? Um, <laughs> yeah, but you look super fly. Yeah, so, oh, super fly. <laughs> Thank you. So if you got a wedding coming up or if you just want to look super fly, as Sarah says, check them out because they have also a wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from with the ability to personalize personalize the details, including your lapel, as Sarah corrected me in the <laughs> first recording. Take, take three. Take three. <laughs> the lining, pockets, buttons, and you can write your own monogram. And this week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $379 at Indochino.com. Dot com when you enter the promo code I do at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code I do for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. Get this incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. Right, right. Well, that's what it's called neuroplasticity. It's the way that your mind um, attaches itself to certain ideas. Like I mentioned the song, it's the same way that we think we're supposed to eat at a certain time. And that's exactly what's supposed to happen. So it's, you know, you can go on to saying it's about habit, but it's this perception that we think it's supposed to be. And so if we shift that around some and attach it in a different way, then it completely changes it. And that's what happens with couples. I mean, how many times do you hear parents saying to kids, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Do you want to eat? Do you want to eat? And the kid said, no. The the, the kid is amazing. I mean, kids amaze me because they're paying attention to their cues. They're just responding based on innately, primitively, what's going on for them. Me hungry, me eat, right? Like we're the adults sitting there and, and changing those patterns. No, I think it's, I think you should be hungry now. It's time to eat. And that's what's happening in relations too. So societally and culturally, we all come from different backgrounds. And then you're taking two backgrounds and merging them together. And one person might have a mother that said, you know, eat, eat, eat. And the other one might have had where eating wasn't a priority. And then you put them together and it doesn't always think or sometimes it does. And that's usually when you have a couple that is all about the food. Like they do not know what to do. Some couples don't know how to communicate if they're not eating together. I mean, even look at how, if we look at some of our traditional um, familiar patterns would be you sit together and you eat dinner and you write it around food. And so a lot of relationships are based around these premises. I mean, I welcome people. I'm like, go on a date and go walking. It doesn't just have to be around a meal. And a lot of the stuff that we're doing around food, you mentioned um, not being present, being mindful is not being present or being mindful is being present. And it's having awareness, eating with intentionality, eating with a purpose, knowing I'm eating what would be good to have eaten and eating foods that are fueling my body and going to create an opportunity for me to think better and connect better with other people. It's funny, Sarah and I actually had a bit of a argument or bump last week. We were going to go on a lunch date and I wasn't, 
I wasn't hungry. And Sarah's like, well, I was hungry. Yeah, Sarah's like, well, I, was, I skipped. I was hangry at that point. Yeah. Sarah's like, I skipped <laughs> yeah. breakfast. And I'm like, I, I'm sorry. And it became like this thing. And I, and I was like, look, I want to spend. And then we communicate. I was like, I want to spend time with you, but I'm, I'm not hungry. So if you want, let's go out. But I'm not going to eat. It just, it became a little bit better. Like we weren't <laughs> at each other as much when it became less of like her maybe feeling like I didn't want to go on the date lunch and hang out with her and more like, look, it's not about <laughs> it. Let's, let's look under the surface. I do want to hang out with you. I'm not hungry. Yeah. We don't need to do this around food. You eat, mm -hmm. satisfy that hunger by all means yeah. and and I'll hang out but I feel like that's probably a common thing and then and then to the thing that you said that couples don't know how to communicate unless they're eating because it's like yeah. this neuroplastic this habit that they've created and I think just that recognition is so powerful to realize how absurd these things are like <laughs> we got in an argument about the lunch date because one of us was hungry and the other wasn't and it's like look right. at the end of the day I want to hang out with you. Forget the food component of this. Let's just go hang out. And if it's around lunch, great. If I'm putting calories into my mouth, but either way we can have a happy and fun conversation. And, and it's funny how yeah. uh, we actually decided to get lunch that day, but we, the place that we ended up going to ended up closing early and then we got stuck in traffic and we were stuck in traffic for like 45 minutes <laughs> and then we had to pick up our daughter. So we ended up not getting lunch and just spending time in the car mad at each other. <laughs> in traffic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but you know what? I want to congratulate you guys on your efforts for setting that time and making that lunch date because, um, well, whether you want to call it a date or a lunch date, what you guys did is so imperative is that you set that time for the two of you. And again, as a working mom with young kids and a husband that travels, it's a really hard gig to make that space together. And um, so that to me is really great that you guys are making that effort. And that's way more critical than the fuss about to eat or not to eat and um you're getting stuck in traffic in the meanwhile <laughs> yeah it was uh pretty funny at the end of the day that we just things digress we had good intentions but it didn't happen <laughs> i want to ask you about rewarding children with food because that's very pertinent to sarah and i right now but are there any other things that our listeners should be aware of when they think about their personal relationships with food and how it can be affecting the relationship as a whole? Um, I think we've really wrapped up a lot of the ideas. I think just people hearing this and thinking about it from a different perspective is going to be, I call it exciting because it's just a different, um, a different way of looking at it that most people don't see it that way. They just kind of take it for granted or just see what they're doing and they wonder why nothing is, is changing or why they're feeling stuck in their relationship and I, I feel that food is a big component a lot of people say that money is the biggest uh, piece of like financial concerns in a relationship and sometimes I would beg to differ because 
if we really were to peel it back a minute, the same patterns are happening around the food. And our people, you use the word hangry, Sarah, which I think is hilarious. But if people are satiated and they're feeling good about themselves, if their love cup is full, it really changes the perspective of the relationship. It takes two whole people to have a whole relationship. And I think we forget that sometimes. And if we're not getting our needs met around uh, food, a big component that plays with food is, is proper rest. You know, people aren't getting the sleep that they need and you wake up kind of grouchy. The first thing you do is go to the food. It's like a revolving cycle. I mean, think about it. You wake up, you don't get a good night's sleep. You go to bed too late. You ended up staying on social media in your bed. You go to sleep. You can't get up from your alarm clock. The next thing you know, you're starting your day off rushing around. And the more you rush, the faster you keep going. It messes up your breakfast. You end up just eating something really quick instead of having like a sound breakfast. You're agitated with your partner. It just, it just snowballs and it like keeps going. I mean, I could go on with the whole day. Right. And before you know it, that's where you're at. So it's just your intentionality communicating and being clear what your plan is around it. Fuel your body for, you know, you are what you eat. And even as you mentioned, we're going to go into talking about reward. It's the same whether you're a child or an adult. So if you're going on dates and the only time you get your partner's attention is when you're eating, you're going to keep eating. And that's the thing that's going on with kids as well is they create these assumptions or these ideas around food, these connections from a very young age. And I, I feel pretty strong about this. Um, I, I feel like already you guys would agree with me, but you know, if a child is doing something and you're just rewarding them with food, you're just two things emotionally and physically. You're, you're teaching them that physically that feeling of the, it's like a warm, fuzzy hug. So they go to the food to create that, ah, feeling. And number two, emotionally, they're going to think, oh, well, I'm going to do things and, and food is what I, I get because oftentimes adults, they really get challenged with the idea. They think they deserve food. They think that if they've done something positive, if they just got the promotion, what's the first thing people do? Let's go out and celebrate. And people are either drinking or, or fooding to, to give themselves reward. You know, I think there's a lot of different other, a lot of other ways to celebrate that. Or even around what do people do when they go on trips? It becomes this gluttonous feast. I better lose weight so I can go on my trip. And then they go and they gain weight and they lose again. You know, my perception of a trip is a time for um, fueling yourself and re and really healing yourself, getting the nourishment that you need, setting clear intentions, kind of getting, resetting your clock. And that's important with kids as well. I know you mentioned the idea, Chase, around the kids eating and them being on a schedule, but kids know when they need to eat. And I mean, I'm sure if we asked our parents, we didn't always eat proper meals, but somehow we survived just fine. <laughs> it's it's funny when you say the kids know how to eat because Stella's in this like weird phase right now where she gets home from school at three and she like is starving and she like wants to eat dinner at like four. And I'm like, well, yeah. I've just been feeding her dinner at four because she's hungry. And I'm like, it's not like when we eat, but I can't really control like when she's ready no. to eat a meal. So it's, it's been interesting right. figuring that out. 
Yeah, for sure. And um, they're going to guide you. You know, my three-year-old, he has this thing now that it's like almost impossible to get him to eat a protein, but I don't think he's going to die, you know, or get malnourished from not eating it because he's eating plenty of other foods. And I often see parents putting all their energy onto what the kids are not eating opposed to what they are eating. So kind of that whole cookie situation, they're like, you have to eat this, you have to eat this. And the more they tell them they have to eat it, the less they're going to eat it. So if you just kind of leave it there, they're going to get it. And um, I call them PP parties. Um, you know, last year we got a puppy and then my son started going to the bathroom in the bathroom and there were no more diapers. Well, I got excited when he would do it the way that I wanted to, you know, he would go on the toilet and you're like, yay. And the dog would be outside and my neighbors would think I sound crazy because they'd hear me getting all excited, you know, good puppy, you know, good make outside. Well, I mean, am I going to sit there and shame him when he goes inside and go, oh, bad dog. Or when my son, you know, didn't make it where I wanted him to. No, I'm going to focus on what I do want him to do. And that's really important with kids too. Um, if you're just focusing on, oh, we shouldn't be eating these cookies. We shouldn't be eating these cookies. That's not, it's not going to be a strong message for them. Just, you know, just kind of silence it. Like exhaust what you don't want and give energy to what you do want. And that's going to work whether you're doing that with a child or you're doing that with an adult. And I see the same thing going on when I'm working with couples around food or in any capacity. They're only focusing on what's not working. They walk in the house and they're just going off a laundry list of all the things that they're, they're upset about. And they don't even notice that, you know, somebody just made dinner or somebody just did the laundry, speaking of laundry list. Um, but that's really imp imperative with creating those relationships with food as well with kids. And, um, you know, they're going to learn in school. My daughter went to school and she was playing soccer and they said to her, um, they were giving out candy at the end of soccer. And that really irked me because here they're doing a healthful activity. And they said to me, well, it's just a piece of candy. And I said, well, why do you even have to use candy as a reward, let alone food? Like, I guess an orange would be okay, but why even food? And they're like, well, that gets some of the kids um, going. And it just, it agitated me to, to no end um, how that could be, you know, advantageous in the process. Oh, yeah. There is so much to talk about as far as food and culture. And then you throw in kids and, and <laughs> the rewards. And you've laid a great groundwork just to get people thinking. If at the very least you start thinking about your personal relationship with food and then within the relationship with your partner, that's like step one with a lot of the things we talk about is just being mindful. And then I love it. And we'd have to have you back on and we could dive into the nutrition side. But even just the hangry, like if you're in an argument uh -huh. with your partner, are you hungry? Like maybe right. you're being irrational because you haven't eaten in eight hours or because you didn't sleep good yeah. last night. And then certainly if your diet's yeah. all out of whack, your emotions are going to be all out of whack. And there's a huge disconnect with a lot of people that these things are affecting their emotions and they totally are. And a lot yeah. of times we're almost a victim of them, like we talk about yeah. free will. If you're hungry, you can have all the the intent to be a good person and your body yeah. <laughs> doesn't care a lot of times. So that's a whole other thing. <laughs> the but Tasmanian devil comes out. Yeah. So <laughs> you got to be aware of that. And certainly the food that you're putting into your body, like Sarah and I are pretty hyper aware. Like I was a college athlete. Sarah works out and is super healthy. And even we are constantly trying to like feel and be aware of like, how are these things affecting us? Not like 
to a scientific level, but we, we call it a sugar hangover when we wake up the next day and we yeah. both feel hungover because we had a lot yeah. of sugar the night before. And look, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Indulge. That's fine. But maybe next time we'll go, hey, is it worth feeling like crap for the first two hours tomorrow morning? Sure. Or, hey, sure. I'm not going to bring up the laundry <laughs> argument that we've been having the night after we ate a whole cake together because we're both going to be, you know, like <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm being silly, but these are true things that we really got to be aware of because they're affecting ourselves individually and the relationship. Without a doubt. I mean, the first thing is you've got to put your oxygen mask on first. Like worry about what you're eating before you're worrying about your partner. And if everybody's taking care of themselves, it's going to be a lot more of a collaborative effort. And, you know, I worked over 10 years in an eating disorder treatment center and a lot of people, you know, see food in a different capacity, but food is going to have the same shifts and affect you the same as drugs and alcohol like you're talking about a sugar hangover um it's going to affect your mood it's going to affect how you feel so at least you guys are getting having sugar hangovers together it doesn't work out well when one person is having them and the other person isn't because like i said they're going to start off the day completely irritable and irrational and you can't even put your finger on what's going on but they feel awful about themselves so you know, if you're feeling awful about yourself, what perspective are you going to look at the lens you're going to see out to the rest of the world? It's going to be pretty crummy. And um, that's whether you're in your partnership or as a family, it is so critical and imperative. So you have the emotional way that food affects us, but also the physical way that food affects us. And I believe they're one of the same and they, um, they go hand in hand. Well, Dara, this has been a super insightful interview. We've learned a lot and uh, I know our listeners will too. Uh, before we wrap up, let's have you tell our listeners where they can find you online and if there's anything you'd like to leave our listeners with and then we'll say goodbye. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you can check out my website at drdara.com and you can sign up there for my monthly newsletter. And I'm also on social media on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. There's so many of them. And um, LinkedIn. And all of those are Dr. Dara Bushman, D-R-D-A-R-A-B-U-S-H-M-A-N. And um, I am completely open to any questions or emails. So you can always find me through my website. I appreciate so much getting to hang out with you guys for a little while. I was telling a friend, that I was going to be doing this podcast and it was about food and relationships. And she said, Oh, two of your favorite things. So <laughs> I could clearly go on about this all day long and you guys have been great. So thank you. Well, excellent. We'll have to have you back on the show and just dig even deeper. And all the links that you've just given us will be on your show notes page on our website at idpodcast.com. And thanks again so much for joining us on the show. Thank you guys. Have an awesome day. Hi guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship so we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, 
we are all here for each other. Um, the group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course spark my relationship we hope you guys check it out we have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners so you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week 